and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode this week. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and it's hard to believe, but, but the end of the year is finally here. Um, the WNBA Finals has concluded. Um, as we learned last week, the Las Vegas Aces um, topped the New York Liberty uh, to win their, their second straight WNBA title. Um, caps off an impressive year for the Aces. Uh, both the Aces and the Liberty, but uh, specifically Las Vegas, and it caps off a really fun year. Uh, So it's it's sad to see the year uh, go, but but it's exciting that the offseason is underway. Looking forward to the offseason and um, eventually the the upcoming year in 2024, which will be here before we know it. Um, The the, Obviously, free agency takes place here at uh, the start of the calendar year, Um, so we're we're just months away from from some offseason activity beginning. Um, but players in the meantime are, are overseas, um, and whoever is deciding to play overseas and uh, spending their time over there. Uh, but with that said, we're going to take a look back at the WNBA season, take a look back at the Lynx season um, with this week's guest, who is Ben Pickman um, from The Athletic, who covers women's basketball, includes the WNBA, the college game. He's also a, a host on, on The Athletic Women's Basketball Show podcast, which is a great podcast to go listen to. I'm a regular listener. Um, so it's a great podcast that you should go check out as well as, as obviously this podcast, but, um, Ben does a lot of great, great work on, um, you know, the athletic on, on, you know, he's a great follow on social media and all of his written content as well as his content on the podcast. So please go uh, check out everything that Ben does and give him a follow and follow all of his work. But in this week's podcast, Ben and I sit down and we talk about, uh, the WNBA finals. We talk about, um, you know, things that are regarding the league or including the league or in, uh, impacting the league, which includes expansion, um, maybe, uh, you know, things that they need to still work on, whether that is travel, whether it's roster expansion, whether it is a uh, pay increase, all the above. Um, and then we transition into some links talk, some links in WNBA. We look at the WNBA where uh, the Minnesota Lynx uh, finished up this year, where they could go this offseason, what route they could go this offseason, what they could do this offseason. Um, and then ultimately what they might do in 2024, as well as kind of looking at the layout of the league. Um, so I really appreciate uh, Ben joining the podcast this week. It was a great conversation with him. Um, as I mentioned, please go check out all of his work um, and his content that he produces. Um, but without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast with The Athletic's Ben Pickman. Ben, how are you doing? Thank you for joining. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, if I, we can start before we jump into things, if, if you could just, um, I mean, people should be following you, people should be following your work, listening to your podcast, but if you could just kind of um, offer everybody where they can find you, where they can listen to you, where they can and view your work and, and everything between. Sure. Uh, written work can be found on theathletic.com, um, on Twitter at theathleticwbb, or my own personal Twitter timeline uh, at Ben Pickman. Um, we also... Uh, starting in the beginning of September, launched the Athletic Women's Basketball Show, which is a basically twice a week podcast where we're going to talk everything women's basketball. We talked a lot of WNBA, both recapping games, but also issues in the month of September um, and throughout the postseason. And then we'll transition into some women's college basketball talk. We're going to talk overseas uh, uh, storylines. We're going to talk some issues, topics around the sport. Um, Some episodes will be more kind of just information based than just what's going on in the news. So we hope it's kind of a one-stop shop. We'll have some guests sometimes. We hope it's a one-stop shop for you know anyone who's looking to expand their knowledge and just dive into um, the world of women's basketball um, year-round. So uh, yeah. it's been a super exciting thing so far. Yeah, I mentioned to you. I, I'm a I'm a um, 
I, I don't want to say weekly because it, it's kind of mm-hmm. not not necessarily weekly, but it is. But, it you know, it it, it comes at the, you know, in, in certain periods of time. But I'm, I listen to every episode um, is what I'm what I'm getting at. It's a great podcast. And I, I appreciate the the coverage that you guys do. And and like we said, now that it, it doesn't end it. Now it's women's basketball. It, it's it's an endless cycle of, of basketball, which is great. But um, it's it's a great lesson. So everybody go check that out. Um but yeah, we uh, we're we're finally here. It's kind of hard to hard to believe, but we're already at the end of the season. Um, you know, we just got done with, as you know, the 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 WNBA finals um, in a kind of a back and forth series. But in the end, kind of maybe not. Um, it, I think a lot of people expected it to go five games, um, but it ultimately resulted in in four games in Las Vegas, coming out back in, in, with a title for back to back years. Uh, ben, you were there. What what was it like to to kind of take all of that in and, um, you know, just kind of the atmosphere of the, of the finals um, in totality? I mean, it was great. It, it was super exciting. And I think hopefully uh, for people who are watching on TV, the buzz in the arena was palpable or kind of jumped off your screen. I know from being in the building in Las Vegas and also in New York, like those crowds were as good as I have seen them and, and witnessed in person in, in my time covering the league. Um in both arenas, right? Las Vegas players talked about it on both sides, you know, two sellouts there, more than 10,000, whatever um, that McLeod Ultra Arena capacity is. I believe it's 10 or 11,000 people. And the crowd was super amped and it's a very Las Vegas crowd. It's very spirited. There's pyrotechnics and intros, the halftime and national anthem acts were excellent. Everyone was super, super into it. They were there early. They do a fun bit called miss twice, get a slice where at the end of games, uh, if a, an opposing player misses two free throws, everyone gets a free slice of pizza. And that happened twice towards the end of games by Liberty players. And that was like a cherry <laughs> on top of the Sunday in Las Vegas. And then New York, you know, New York, I think has had a really, really great crowds all year, really engaged. And the people who show up are really into it, but they get 7,000 more people than they normally have. Basically they sold the whole upper bowl out. It was 17,000 strong uh, sellout crowds, pulsating white towels, the energy was really amped and I saw a real difference in game four in specific where people were showing up early, a half hour before the game, fans, celebrities, former players, just everyone was there and the crowd was so, so engaged and into it that you could feel all the tension, especially down in the third and fourth quarter and just made for, for a great, great ending. Obviously if you're a Liberty fan, not a great ending, but mm-hmm. uh, if you are a fan of the WNBA or women's basketball, that, that is the kind of crowd you want to see at some of these high leverage, uh, high moment, uh, high leverage, high importance games. Yeah. And I mean, even just as a, you know, like, like you kind of mentioned as a viewer watching it on TV, it, it came through. Um, I mean, it's, it's great to see those atmospheres, especially from kind of where those organizations came from and kind of seeing the growth of that, even in just a matter of a couple of years, uh, both on the court and with the, with the fan base and the atmosphere is, is really cool to see. And it just showcases the growth of not only those two franchises and those two fan bases, but the league in general. So that, that that's really cool. Um, when it comes to what took place on the court, um, I mean, I, I think to me, it, it ultimately just kind of seemed like Las Vegas was, was more poised. They were more, they, you know, battle tested. They've been there. Um, that's nothing against New York, uh, but that makes a big difference when it comes into a, a high pressure situation like that. What, what are your thoughts on on what took place and ultimately the outcome of, of Vegas winning at all? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the Las Vegas Aces players spoke about the experience that they've had, the battles that they've had with each other, just kind of grinding through defeats in the finals and in the semifinals and, you know, the confidence that they now feel of 
playing together and ahead of the series, Asia Wilson and, and then Kelsey Plum. I remember talking to them on finals media day. They both talked about how they felt more gelled this year than they ever have been, that they hang out more off the court, that they know each other even better just because they spend more time around each other. And I think, you know, spending time off court, not necessarily a direct correlation always to on court performance, but I think you saw there is just a, a constant trust and a constant belief among members of the Las Vegas Aces that even down Chelsea Gray, even down uh, Kia Stokes in game four, they stayed close. They chipped away. They chipped away. You know, Kelsey Plum talked after about uh, Kelsey talked about just belief. Like they just believed that if they could keep it close, that they could go on a run and they could pull it out. And we kind of saw that in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. The other thing I will say, and I think we can't overlook it at all is huge credit to Becky Hammond. Like, you know, she is tactically, She's just excellent. Like I, I talked to Crystal Robinson. She is a, a former player uh, for the New York Liberty, one of the members of their ring of honor. And she's recently been an assistant with uh, Seattle and Dallas and Phoenix. And she told me that Becky is worth like eight to 10 points. And I think you kind of see that, frankly, like how many other coaches, frankly, in the league are pulling out a victory in that situation. They're playing an entirely new defense that they've never really practiced before. They've never really played before. Becky talked about how, you know, the, the good part of what we're going to look like in game four is that we don't know what we're going to do. So our opponents don't know what we're going to do. And I think New York kind of saw that and didn't, wasn't really sure what Las Vegas was going to do. But credit to her as well, because, um, you know, a big reason why they pull out game four is because of the schematic adjustments that that staff made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you could look at it from both sides with, you know, obviously the two players being out, the two starters uh, that you mentioned uh, for Las Vegas, that obviously hurts Las Vegas to some extent. But in the end, that's almost harder to prepare for. And I, I think that that's you, you never really know. And when, when a team is playing on the fly and they're just kind of going out there and playing, that's almost more dangerous than when you have them at full strength. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, I mean, one of these years, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll get a, a Las Vegas win on their home court. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been, been on the road, but I think they'll take them, take them either way. But it, it I mean, it, it, either way, it was, it was still a fun series. It was a series everybody wanted. Um, I, I honestly think we're probably going to see it again next year with maybe Connecticut being in the mix with, um, those, those top three, but who knows, it, it'll, it'll be fun to, to see these two kind of battle it out for, for years to come, but what, kind of looking ahead, what, what do you think, you know, this is very, very early, but what do you think we might see next year? You think we end up seeing a, a rematch in the finals, kind of like what we did with like the LA, uh, Minnesota days back when they were going back and forth. I mean, John Paul Jones first has to resign. And she said on sure. during her exit interview that she was trending towards that direction. Mm -hmm. um, but it certainly was not a 100% certainty guarantee when Liberty players were discussing it during their exit interviews. I mean, they certainly want her back. Jonathan Kolb, Sandy Brundell, they all recognize her importance. But uh, it wasn't like this is a no brainer. Take it off the table right now. Do I think she'll be back? Yes, I do. But there still seems to be some work to be done there. And so she needs to be back for obviously this Liberty team to to repeat, because as, as Jonathan Cole, New York's general manager, said, she was probably their most consistent and efficient player during the postseason. We saw eight straight double doubles to open the playoffs, a WNBA record. So if she comes back, I do think um, we probably will get a repeat. I mean, I think the big variable in the WNB offseason equation is what happens with Skylar Diggins Smith. And we're not really sure. And there's a number of teams that, you know, probably don't make sense on paper, but if she joined them, 
could they elevate to that conversation? You know, maybe this is an all WNBA guard the last time we saw her play. Um, so, you know, maybe she goes to Connecticut or Atlanta or, you know, you could put her on a whole number of teams and their ceilings would elevate um, and maybe throw a wrinkle in the equation. But I certainly think if you are a betting, uh, if you're looking for a safe prediction and one that is most likely to happen, it would be a repeat of the finals that we just witnessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It, it will be interesting to see what, what happens with, with Diggin Smith. And I mean, it, it going into, you know, this season or even midway through the season, it was looking like it was going to be a really intriguing free agency and free agent pool that has since dwindled down with, with some of the, the, the big name players kind of re-signing uh, extensions with their team. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what how she's able to bounce back. I could see her having just a breakout year too, and just her you know her mentality of um, you know she wants to prove it to everybody and, and prove that that she is still to that caliber. I can see her uh, you know having a having a big year um, next year too. But um, yeah, well the the year will be here before we know it. It 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 always seems to sneak up really fast. So it'll it'll be here for the the new calendar year will be here. We'll already be talking about free agency. So it it never never slows down. But um, when, when it comes to um, next thing I wanted to talk to you about was was expansion. Um, obviously, we got the recent news of, of the Bay Area being one of the teams that that will be or one of the locations that will be getting a team. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you what do you think of, of the, you know, the second rumored team of Portland or, or other locations, um, you know, being added to that mix in 2025? I mean, I'm not surprised that the Bay Area was the first team that they're announcing. And also um, the Warriors ownership group is the team that they've elected to uh, give the 13th franchise to. Um, You know, I I think it's a positive in that it seems to be an ownership group that is legitimately committed to investing in the franchise. And we will obviously see how much they are really willing to invest once it launches and once, you know, it all gets underway. But at least from everything they've said and what history would suggest as it relates to the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, this seems to be a group that will pour money into the team. And we've seen the impact that just pumping money into a WNBA franchise can have in recent years. Look at the Las Vegas Aces and New York Liberty as exhibits A and B, right? You have two ownership groups that, you know, invest in practice facilities. They invest in travel. They invest in a performance staff that, you know, is one of the largest, if not the largest in the league in the New York Liberty. That is year-round access that those players have in New York that a lot of other teams do not have. So if we see the Golden State Warriors group invest in much the same way, you know, I think Joe Lickett made that prediction that they're going to win a WNBA championship within five years. Obviously, that is lofty and hugely aspirational considering we don't even know how an expansion draft will work, but it wouldn't be so, so surprising to maybe see them win or at least be competitive because, you know, they're going to invest. I think that is the one thing we know. And players are going to flock to franchises that invest in them, that invest in the organization. So that is hugely a positive. Portland is going to be really interesting because, you know, you have one team in the Warriors that uh, has an NBA counterpart in the Golden State Warriors, rather, or in the Bay Area, rather. Uh, And Portland, it seems like their ownership group is going to be completely separate from the NBA team. And so I think the hope, and we'll learn more about that ownership group uh, as it becomes more official and the athletics reporting says that, you know, it's, it's certainly headed that way. Again, it will be, the onus will be on the new Portland group to invest in, um, 
in that franchise. And if they can invest in the team, much like some of these other franchises I just mentioned, I don't see any reason why they too couldn't be very successful. I think the thing that is so appealing and interesting about Portland is it clearly is a very rich and engaged fan base. Um, one that is very enthused and passionate and like wants a team. And it sets up some great Pacific Northwest rivalries with Seattle, certainly some West coast rivalries with this Bay area team with the LA sparks. Yes. Maybe the Minnesota Lynx might be the, uh, the fall team here and have to go and switch conferences. So, so we'll see about that. We'll see what other realignment occurs in the future, but um I'm I'm not surprised knowing that it is a market that seems like it is ready to continue to grow in terms of interest in women's basketball. So I think it's two solid choices um, and two that I think a lot of players will be excited to go play for. Mm-hmm. Were you the person that was, was kind of in the boat of um, you know, you're more, you were, you were vouching for expansion over roster expansion or roster growth or, or, you know, some of the other, um, kind of needs and, and wants of, of the league or were you in you know I guess which side of, of that were you on I'm I, I personally was whatever growth happens is, is a great sign um, whether it's rosters or teams but but what what did you prefer I guess before this news broke I, I would say one that the opinion I've gathered and talked to and heard a lot from people is they aren't mutually exclusive right and still they aren't mutually exclusive the WNBA could expand its rosters as it creates new teams both of those things can happen i think the thing i didn't understand and talking with players and executives around the league is why there isn't just roster expansion in the short term and why you know why expansion is a much bigger more complicated process but what is stopping the league from allowing teams to have two more players that maybe are you call them basketball ops interns and they you know, in essence, are part of a practice squad and they can't suit up on game days. But if somebody gets hurt and you need players, instead of just, you know, picking people off the street and for a hardship that they're called up to the active roster and can suit up, like what is stopping the league from creating 24 jobs in the short term? And that is something that I I still don't fully understand. And, you know, in talking to a lot of players, we did this poll on The Athletic uh, where we talked to almost 50 players. uh, And one of the questions we asked was would you rather have more spots or more teams and one of the sentiments we got was uh more players one said roster spots but in that one of the sentiments we received was treat the players in your house you know make what's in your house better before you build a completely second house and that i think is a sentiment that a lot of people around the league feel and and i certainly understand that perspective um because frankly like as I think you probably recognize and a lot of people around the league, there's a lot of variance in ownership groups and treatment of players. And so why not elevate that before you add two more into the mix? And maybe those two more help elevate the rest. But um, that I think remains to be seen. Hopefully both happens for the sake of players. More jobs is obviously um, better for, for players and, and the growth of the league going forward. Mm-hmm. Now that expansion is is this next thing that is is coming up, what do you think might follow that? Or maybe it won't even you know wait until expansion officially does happen in 2025. But what do you think is maybe the next atopic thing? Is it flights? Is it roster expansion? Is it you know, increased pay? What, what would maybe all the above? What do you think? I mean, I think it kind of is a little bit of all of the above, but I think that the league really is going to reach a a pivotal point in its history over the next 12 to 18 months. And the big reason for me 
is because its media rights deal uh, is with ESPN is set to come up. And there's they have been putting a lot of stock and they're pretty open about this publicly. You hear a lot of conversation and a lot of, you know, Kathy Engelbart often stresses the media rights and they are very active in promoting any kind of TV viewership wins that they perceive. They are hoping that they get this influx of money in these new media rights negotiations. And if they do, it also coincides with most likely almost guaranteed a new CBA being negotiated, right? The, the either party can opt out of the CBA, they'll renegotiate the CBA. And so we could come to the 2025 WNBA season with a new TV rights deal and an already agreed upon new CBA. And as a result, it wouldn't be shocking to see higher salary cap changes in the charter flights. Like, you know, some of the other benefits changes in maternity policies, how hardships, roster sizes. I think a lot of changes are dependent on how much money the league gets from these media rights deals. And so, you know, they're certainly putting a lot of eggs in that basket. If they don't get deals that they want or that, you know, are able to really boost the league, then I think some of these issues will remain in a holding pattern or the growth and the change might not be as, you know, as much as some people with the PA or fans want. But if they get the media rights deal that they want, I think, you know, we could see a reshaping in some respects about some of these rules and policies and restrictions that some people think hold the league back. So I think a lot of it is really coming to a head in the next 12 to 18 months. We'll see how it all shakes out. But, um, you know, we could be really the WNBA, I, I like to think, could look very different in 2026 and 2027 than it does right now as a result of some of those changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people always talk about like, you know, what, what is next? When, when will we get more teams? You know, everybody, once you, you not only are you satisfied with, with getting a team or two teams, but everybody wants more. Do you think that, you know, in, in the following years there, there will be, obviously it'll be a couple of years at least after, you know, the, the insertion of, of the, you know, next two teams, but um do you think there will end up being more? Um, and if so, where where do you think would be great locations for that? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I do think there will probably end up being more teams. Um, I think a lot of it, as I mentioned, is dependent on media rights deal and how much money is kind of feeding into the league and what changes happen as a result. I look at Philadelphia as a prime market. Um, we know that they are a, a great sports town, a great sports city. Um, with some women's basketball history and tradition as well. Cheney State University um, and HBCU just outside the, the city was, you know, the first and only HBCU to ever make the final four in the college game. And a number of great players, Yolanda Laney, Benajah Laney's mom um, played there notably. And a number of other notable stars of the eighties played there. C. Vivian Stringer began her coaching career there. And we have, you know, Natasha Clouds from that area. We know a number of other kind of Don Staley, obviously from that area. So this is a rich, um, basketball uh, market um, that is a eager for all kinds of teams. Um, that is one. The, the team that I think is most interesting is the Toronto market. And we know that they have a great fan base. We saw certainly in, in that exhibition game between the Lynx and the Sky, the, the energy around women's basketball and the WNBA. And we know Team Canada also is seemingly improving. And there's a number of WNBA players from Canada who um, – you know, it seems like that pipeline isn't going anywhere. The thing that I think is interesting is 
one, who the ownership group would be, and also travel logistics. And so I'm frankly not so surprised that Canada and Toronto didn't get the team because, look, the reality of WNBA teams flying on commercial flights and the potential complication of border crossings and, you know, going through security and customs and doing that regularly and screening all bags. And, you know, I'm by no means an aviation specialist, but that seems to be a huge logistical challenge compared to just jumping on a normal commercial flight and going from, you know, Minnesota to the Bay area or Seattle to like Los Angeles. Right. And so I'm not shocked that uh, Toronto didn't get it this time around, but if you told me, you know, in a future round of expansion, if the WNBA changes its charter flight policy, that Toronto got a team, I would say, yeah, that sounds right to me. Um, I think travel probably was one of the big holdups um, as it related to that franchise, not getting a team um, in 2025. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, since we, since we are, uh, uh, um, we do talk a decent amount of links on this podcast. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on what we saw this year, maybe the, the, the future outlook of, of the team. Um, I guess let's start off with what, what did you see from, from the links this year? What, were you kind of surprised with what they ended up putting together? Um, did, was it kind of about what you expected or maybe did you expect them to do more? I mean, I think in the end, if you look at the standings, it feels about right where, where they finish up in, in that six seed and i guess you could make the case that they almost were the nine seed and so maybe mm-hmm. the answer is very different uh it, you know if a game couple of games fall that way i think considering where they started at the beginning of the year you know they certainly proved that they can compete and win games high high leverage games we saw that in the playoffs against connecticut against some of the league's top competition um and Nafisa collier i think continues to emerge as one of the league's best players so you have to be excited about that um, if you are a Minnesota Lynx fan, the thing that I think not surprising, and I know it's the the stat that everyone kind of talked about was just their point differential, right? You look at it and you look at the minus 4.8 and how that's lower than the Sparks and was worse than the Mystics and the Sky. And, you know, the fact that they could perform so well in these close games and down the stretch of games like that is a credit to their players and also their coaching staff. And, you know, maybe Cheryl Reeve obviously has had a ton of success, so you can expect some of that to continue going forward. But, um, you know, so in the end, maybe it all balanced out, I guess, is, is the thought. I, I don't know. What do you think of their season big picture? I, you know, I do agree that, you know, I going into the year, I expected them to you know reach the playoffs, lose in the first round. That's ultimately what happened. Um, the way that they came together, I think, during the year was a little bit more surprising to me. You know, starting off, you know, like you mentioned, they started off slow. Um, and, you know, at the time I was like, okay, this is going to be, you know, a bigger learning curve than maybe what a lot of people expected with the younger team. It's going to take a little bit longer to develop them, um, everything between just to kind of get them to mesh. Um, but then, you know, they ended up pulling it together and, you know, towards the end of the year, they, they looked solid, but the biggest thing is they just don't have enough yet. And that, that's the biggest thing, you know, Cheryl Reeve had talked about throughout the year. Um, you know, they had a big two this year and they weren't necessarily a consistent big two with Kayla McBride kind of, you know, going up and down or kind of having up and down performances throughout the year. Nafisa Collier was obviously great all year long, but they have to have more. And and that's they didn't expect to have more, but they need to have more. And that's something that they'll work on, you know, moving forward. But the, you know, the rookies, the way the rookies played surprised me. Um, I didn't expect that. 
um, to, to not, I, I expected, you know, the, the performances and the flashes that we did see from them. I didn't expect them to step into the starting lineup and have such big roles right away. Um, so that, that kind of surprised me a little bit, but ultimately it, it, it is kind of where I thought they would end up, um, you know, shaking out or kind of finishing out. Um, if you would have, you know, asked me at the start of the year, I would have told you that if you had asked me a month into the year, I probably wouldn't have said the same thing, but they ended up turning it around. And we've seen that the last couple of years, which is a credit to, to Cheryl Reeve and her staff. But um, yeah, I mean, they're a, they're a very, you know, kind of stereotypical team in transition. They're a team. I don't necessarily know if I would call them a rebuilding team. They are, but they're not at the same time. They're still, they've been like kind of that transition team for a couple of years now. Um, but, but they're, they still have a lot to figure out and in this off season will be, you know, I think a big, a big, uh, you know, test to, to figuring that out and, and, uh, you know, a big hurdle to get over, I should say, to, to be able to improve moving forward. Right. I mean, you look at their roster and, and frankly, they just don't have a lot of players who are right. currently signed. Like there's mm-hmm. just a lot of different directions it could go. And now the players that they do have fee and McBride and diamond and Dorka, like you go down the list some of their key players that are under contract, like they're all players you would want. If you were looking at last year's team and saying, who do you want to carry over? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously those are some of the names that, that you would list, you know, Jess Shepard didn't play a lot last year, but she's someone who's shown flashes. And I think, you know, presumably she'll play a big role next year with Minnesota too. I think the links are kind of like a lot of other teams in the league. Right. And I think the whole league is in an interesting Maybe it's a holding pattern. Maybe it's not with the with the aces and the Liberty being so prolific, right? Like if you told me next year, depending on how free agency shakes out and the Lynx certainly have some cap space, having aerial powers come off the books and having a lot of people on their roster come off the books, they have some flexibility. I wouldn't be totally shocked if they were like the three seed or the four seed, mm-hmm. if they had a big free agency and they made some splashy trades. However, you could also make the case that they'll be the eight, they'll mm-hmm. be the nine. Like, I, I don't see them falling out that much because I think, you know, Fee kind of showed this year that she is like they are in transition, but she is still a top five, top seven player in the league. And when you have that, like you have a fighter, a puncher's chance against everybody. But like you could just see them going in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, But I do think they have an appealing core right now. I mean, you mentioned the rookies, Diamond Dorka should only get better and if they take strides forward and you supplement them with you know some pieces in free agency or via the trade market like there's no reason minnesota couldn't be the four seed or the five seed next year Mm -hmm. right like they they have some of the top end talent i don't think they're a title contender necessarily but um you know who who really is or um what will it take to really make jump a tier so Mm -hmm. um yeah I, i don't know there's there's two things that I'm kind of looking for this offseason as far as maybe even just looking at the roster right now or the team that we just saw in 2023. One would be how Diamond Miller takes the next leap in next year because I think that, that she's that third player the Lynx need unless they can go out and sign somebody. Um, you know, she's that next player that needs to step up and, and be more consistent, grow her game, but she is just going to be in her second year, so that's as expected. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, you know, with, with the point guard position, just having consistency at that position or kind of just even if it's Lindsay Allen, it's Lindsay Allen. But having her be the point guard for the full year, having that position solidified, having somebody in that permanent role 
not switching it up, I think will be very important for this team just because they've been in constant flux since, you know, Lindsey Whalen was here. Um, so I, I think that those are two things that, that I'm really looking forward to. They obviously need to improve shooting and defense. That's, I think a lot of people want that, um, but Minnesota definitely needs to do that as well. But those are two things I'm, I'm looking forward to because they, yeah. they've just, they have big question marks there yet, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and point guard, I look at Minnesota in some respects a little bit like Dallas, right? A team mm-hmm. I could see them being in similar positions heading into next season, right? Two teams with talented rosters with franchise players. And, you know, we certainly saw with the Wings in their postseason matchup with the Aces. And again, the Aces roster top to bottom is just so strong. Everybody, you know, recognizes that they're they're defending champions back to back for a reason. But you really saw a discrepancy with the point guard position that Dallas, even into their series with Las Vegas, is alternating. Do we play Crystal Dangerfield? Do we start Odyssey Sims? Veronica Burton, suddenly she's playing 15 minutes a game after sometimes not even playing at all or playing, you know, three minutes, four minutes a game. You mentioned the point guard spot with Minnesota. You look at the roster right now and what it could be as well entering next season. Like, he's going to play. Kayla McBride's going to play. Diamond Miller's going to play. Dorka, presumably, she's going to, like, and that is that is the question. And you could see them going into a playoff series and, you know, being comparable or being able to match up with Las Vegas or mm-hmm. New York. And if they don't have that guard spot, you know, that is one place that we've seen some of these elite teams attack. Um, and especially when games get tight in, in late-game situations, I think everyone recognizes the importance of having that kind of player, though. I guess if you're the Las Vegas Aces, you overcame that in game four, but um, few teams can. So um, I I think you're certainly right to to highlight that as a big question mark and a big a pivot point um, for the Minnesota Lynx entering next season. Mm -hmm. I think they thought or they had hoped that that Tiffany Mitchell would be able to adjust to that position a little bit more with with her signing last offseason. That ultimately didn't happen. I, I I'm interested with, you know, we talked about with their, their cap space. I've, I'm interested to see what they're, they're able to do this offseason. I mean, there's just some intriguing names out there. We even mentioned Skylar Diggins Smith, maybe Minnesota wants to look into that. Who knows? Um, but it, you know, there are some intriguing names out there that they could go try and get if they leave their teams and if, if they want to sign elsewhere, but um, you know, Minnesota is one of the teams that they have that ability and, and not, not a lot of people have, have the type of money that, that Minnesota has this off season. So I could see them not doing anything and I could see them being very aggressive, but I, I, I really don't know what, what, we're, what we're going to see from um, them, but they, that, that's definitely something that, because, I mean, you look at the rest of the roster, Rachel Bannum's not going to go anywhere. I'd say Bridget Carlton will be back. Um you know, those are two names coming off the bench. You got Tiffany Mitchell coming off the bench. Maybe Lindsey Allen will be a bench player. You sign somebody uh, to take over that that starting role. Um, they basically have their their roster just about set um, at, at that point. So it, they don't have a lot of flexibility to to bring bring in new players, and that's not even taking account to uh, you know the draft and what Minnesota right. Minnesota could get in the draft. So um, yeah, I it, you know going back to your to your point about you know kind of being in a holding pattern I do agree with that because you know I I've since I started covering this team I've never seen them go into a year and say it's going to be a developmental year and to me that that just means okay let's let's try and just build this core for a year or two and see what happens with those super teams because they can't hold it together forever 
um, unless you replicate what what Minnesota did for about seven or eight years. <laughs> but um, and so I, I do agree with you that I think a lot of people are just like, all right, let, let's just wait and see because we can't we can't match them, um, and let's not put all our resources and you know in the middle of the table just to try and match them. So um, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting. Interesting offseason. Um, if it look, kind of looking ahead to next year, obviously it depends on on what Minnesota does, what how aggressive they are, who they're able to bring in, um, who they're able to not bring in. But <laughs> what do you expect from them next year? I mean, you mentioned you know that they could be you know as high as a, a three four seed if if they solidify some positions and in kind of attack their areas of need. But do you kind of expect them to be a similar team next year? Yeah, I mean, look, we mentioned Skylar Diggins Smith, and I think if you're a mock draft GM, like slotting her into anyone's team is like right. obviously the the player everybody wants. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you plug her into the Minnesota Lynx, and just suddenly you're like, oh man, they could be a three seed and then some mm-hmm. uh, potentially, right? And so that's obviously aspirational, and honestly, kind of makes a little bit of basketball sense too, right? Like we talk about how they need a lead guard, and and she could certainly be that. I do see them continuing to make, you know, strides in the right direction or just improve on what they were this past year um, for some of the reasons we mentioned, right? Another year of playing together, forming chemistry, forming on-court habits, Cheryl Reeve understanding, okay, Diamond's game a little more, understanding that Dorka is going to play a bigger role that maybe people expected heading into the year, but now she seems to be a, a key piece. Um for the short term or maybe the long term as well. Obviously, with WNBA contract lengths, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's kind of short term. <laughs> um, however, the thing that I think is interesting, and this is true of the Minnesota Lynx, and I think it's true of almost everyone in the WNBA, is you look up and down the league. I think a lot of teams will be better basketball teams next year. They will play better, they will feel confident heading into the year. But I don't necessarily know if that translates into wins just because of the competition level around the league. You look up and down the roster, you know, uh, the standings, the only team that I think, you know, Seattle to me looks to be the franchise that obviously wants to continue to improve, but they're so, so young that is it fair to think they're going to take a big step forward? I'm not really sure. But every other team, I think, wants to hopes to expects to be a playoff team phoenix we see them investing in coach and a head coach they have a ton of you know veteran talent they want to be much better that's clear indiana views themselves if they didn't get off to a slow start they probably would have been a playoff team right they've showed that they could beat you know some of the top teams in the league or hang with the sparks certainly not looking to keep this playoff drought going chicago i think that is a team that could fall but they're a playoff team Teresa weatherspoon new head coach Dwayne Wade, part of new ownership group. They want to be better. Minnesota, bottom of the standings, but has the talent of a three seed. Minnesota, like we go down, Washington rather, you know, seven seed has the talent of a three seed. We talk about Minnesota. We talk about Atlanta. Doubt, like you go up and down. There's so many franchise players. So many teams are, you know, happy that like the reality is there's going to be some losers here. The Lynx were almost a loser in that, you know, in that race for the final couple of spots this year, they were not, they were the six seed, but someone's going to have to be the nine. Someone's going to have to be 10 next year. And like, as much as it wouldn't shock me if they were three, it wouldn't shock me if they were nine or 10. And that's mm-hmm. true of a lot of teams just because of the talent. And that is obviously, if you're looking league wide, 
Like that is a good thing that there is mm-hmm. so much parity, that there is so much depth of talent that up and down these rosters, there's franchise players on almost every team that you can really say like, these are players worth building around. Um, they give you a real chance to win games if you can surround them too with more talent. But uh, it means there's a lot of variance and a lot of unpredictability. It means the off season is exciting. And, you know, it means that next season should be exciting too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that to, I mean, that's why we, we see it to your point. We see every year where it's like four through 10 is like, okay, it, you know, I could see Dallas being at five. I could see him being at 10. I could see Atlanta being at four. I could see him being at, you know, eight, you know, it, it it's so even. And we see, you know, them separated by a game, game and a half, whatever it is at the end of the season, because it, it is so even. And then you have those two top teams and normally the two bottom teams that, that kind of, you know, stretch above and, and below each other. But uh, yeah, like you said, it, it's great for the league. Um, I, I think the insertion of, of a couple more teams will, will definitely help, you know, strengthen the league. It'll help obviously create more jobs. We're going to get some, some quality talent coming in from the college game. Um, here coming up in in this year and you know over the next couple of years and beyond but uh, specifically the next uh, few years and um, it'll be a lot of fun to watch and it's it's already a, a great product and it it'll it'll even get even better so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun so well ben i appreciate you joining um i i had a blast talking talking to old wmba little links um and and i i appreciate you joining taking the time out of your schedule and um if you could just one more time uh, mention where where people can find you and and your your podcast that you are a guest on sure. you can follow me on twitter at ben pickman uh, that is just my name all one word you can follow all the women's basketball work we do at the athletic you can find it at theathletic.com on twitter at the athletic wbb and twice a week now we've been doing the athletic women's basketball show uh, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts uh we cover the WNBA. we're going to cover women's college basketball we'll touch on overseas topics around the sport business travel officiating rule nuances kind of we hope to be a one-stop shop to, you know, cover a breadth of different topics in the world of women's basketball. Um, talk about games going on, talk about issues, um, really, really everything is we've said, and it's been a lot of fun so far. So please subscribe to that um, and keep reading. And yeah, those are the places you can find me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun podcast to, to listen to. It's uh it's great following your work too. Um, um, and, but, you know, specifically the podcast, it's, we like we talked about it's been been great during the WNBA season, but now we quickly sh- uh, turn the page and, and shift focus to uh, women's basketball or college women's basketball. So it it's it'll be an exciting year uh, once again, and I look forward to to listening. But thank you again, Ben, and uh, we'll have to chat again soon. Absolutely. Thank you once again to Ben for joining the podcast this week. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, great chatting with Ben. Um, and he offers great insight, um, and he, he is a, a great guest to have on, was a great guest to have on, and I appreciate him taking the time out of his schedule to join me on the Hitting Hardwood podcast this week. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Jeremy Rushing for producing his podcast every week. Jeremy does a great job in the back end of this podcast to producing it every week, making sure it gets out and get out to you in a timely fashion um, and, and makes me sound less crazy than I actually am. So I appreciate you, Jeremy. Thank you for all your work you do for Hitting the Hardwood. Um, with that said, I also want to uh, mention just a few things, a little uh, housekeeping items here at the end of this podcast. Uh, please go check out our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Um, each week, or at least every other week, I'm going to try and um, provide you with a little bit of um, you know, exclusive content, um, a little behind the scenes content. 
um, I'll do that. I'll share with you maybe our upcoming guests, um, what that schedule looks like. Um, and you'll be the first one to, to get all that information. You'll get exclusive perks like early access to podcasts, um, exclusive news that I just mentioned. You get a, 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 the newsletter. Instead of getting it weekly, you get it three times a week. Um, and you get much more. You get discounts at the hitting, hitting the Hardwood store, which you can find on our website. Um, check our social medias for that link to the, to the website and to the store. Um, and you get much more um, exclusive content. You can send me suggestions, who you want to have on the podcast next, any questions that you might have, any questions you want me to ask guests on the next podcast, whatever it may be. Uh, so please go check that out, patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. I also want to give a shout out to our loyal um, partners, our loyal uh, sponsors of the podcast who have been with us since day one, um, Better Edge and Homage. Um, let's start with Homage. Homage is a, vet, uh, a vintage clothing site which offers great vintage and modern gear, um, but uh, does a great job with, with vintage uh, sporting gear. That includes clothes, sweatshirts, whatever you, you think they have it at Homage. Um, they also do a great job with WNBA gear. They do a lot of logo t-shirts. They have old school shirts. So like, for instance, somebody I, I know just bought uh, recently a Detroit Shock throwback shirt. Um, so you can buy that as well. Um, go, go check out everything, whether it's WNBA gear or, or other sports gear. You can check them out at Homage. That's H-O-M-A-G-E dot com. And then Better Edge. My, my, my friends over at Better Edge. Um, Minneapolis-based company, they are an awesome group to work with, um, and they have an even better uh, betting platform, um, betting site that they have been running, and uh, you know they, they do a lot for the community, they do a lot for the state of Minnesota, they give back, and they're very involved, and they're just a great group of guys. So um, uh, please go check them out, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. If you are a first-time user, check out betteredge.com forward slash links and get a free $20 uh, on your first uh, you know, first time you, you sign up, um, you'll get that $20 in free play. So go check them out, um, and I, I appreciate um, everything that they have done in supporting Hitting the Hardwood. Um, as I mentioned, they, they've been here since day one, so we appreciate all of the support that they, they do and, and giving back to Hitting the Hardwood. With that said, um, I, I want to thank you guys again, once again, for, for joining the podcast this week. I'm really excited about some guests we have coming up here um, and before we transition into kind of off-season scheduling, um, which I will mention here in the next podcast. Uh, but I appreciate you joining. I hope you enjoy um, a little bit of, of an off-season, a little bit of a downtime before we kind of ramp up here in, in, in January um, with the WNBA stuff. But like we talked about in the podcast, we have women's college basketball coming up here, so we we don't um, we're not left without basketball for long. So enjoy the the college season. Um, check out all the prospects that could be uh, joining the WNBA next year, and then let's get back right back to it, and let's get uh, going with the WNBA off season um, and get this thing underway before the 2024 season begins. So I thank you once again to listening. Um, I'll check back in with you guys next Tuesday, and I hope you have a great week. 